Welcome to Village Mentality, where melanated people are connected in spirit, love, and community. Hey, beautiful people out there. It's your girl, CK McGee. Thank you so much for tuning in to our very first episode of Village Mentality, the podcast. Now, allow me to tell you a little bit about myself. I was born and raised in the great state of New York. I am the creator of Village Mentality, the podcast. I'm also a senior writer and editorial assistant for the media news company called Purposely Awakened. We provide uplifting content for the multicultural African diaspora. So about 20 years ago, I was diagnosed with major depression and anxiety disorder which gives me some great insight into the struggles that one faces when dealing with mental health challenges. I know what it is like to be filled with shame and embarrassment, feeling like you are not able to talk to anyone. And then once you do, I know what it's like to not get the support from the ones that you love most. Since then, I have become a mental health advocate concerned with bringing awareness to the mental health crisis here in America, with a specific focus on the African-American community. It has always been my steadfast hope that all the voices that have been silenced by stigma will be supported to speak their truth, knowing and understanding how very valuable their lives are. At this time, I would like to give a special shout out Naomi K. Bondman, who is the CEO and founder of Purposely Awaken. I so appreciate you, Queen, for all the support that you have shown me over these past years. And I would also like to recognize Evan Wheeler, who is our Chief Advancement Officer, known as QEX. Thank you so much, sir, for all your support and encouragement as well. So as we find ourselves dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic, I recognize that there were some important lessons that we would learn as a result. And this would definitely be a transformative experience for all of us. As we were adapting to the quote unquote new normal of social distancing, which was a precautionary measure to slow the spread of the virus with the hopes of flattening the curve, I paid strict attention to the groups of individuals working together to help others. Now, as the needs of the collective became clear, these individuals, they shifted their focus from themselves to their communities. And something inside of me stirred because I recognized that these were the actions of people who understood the importance of village mentality. Now we have all heard the saying that it takes a village, which referred to the rearing of a child. But as I have gotten older, I've come to understand that it takes a village to do anything because there's strength in numbers. So when we think about our inner circle, sometimes referred to as our inner sanctum, we should take a moment to think about what kind of people exist within that circle. What do I mean? Well, you've heard the saying, birds of a feather flock together. If you think about it, your circle 
consists of like-minded individuals who bring their strength or skill set to the collective. In times of crisis, these individuals can band together to come to the aid of whomever is in need. And I tell you, when you've had a chance, beautiful people out there, to witness this kind of mentality in action, it is magical and seamless, and it carries us through as we learn the importance of bearing one another's burdens, because it's true. We are our brothers and our sisters keepers. In today's episode, we will be discussing the importance of developing coping skills designed to help us through difficult times. So as I contemplated this and other pertinent topics of discussion for communities of color, I realized that it would be great if I could have someone along for the ride, so to speak, that could help me unpack these topics, bringing their own perspective to the table. Now she has been a member of my personal village for the last four years. And we have been on quite the emotional journey together. <laughs> she has recently completed her studies, obtaining her master's degree in early childhood education. I am so proud of her because I was able to witness her strength and her perseverance in the midst of personal difficulties. And despite all of that, did not give up and she kept fighting always moving forward. I also had the opportunity to be her writing partner, which was a genuine privilege as I learned about different concepts as well as concerns that teachers may encounter with their students in the classroom. Kings and Queens, she is a beautiful black queen. She is kind, she is smart, and she is definitely important. These beautiful people everywhere. Welcome my co-host and my friend, Patrina Reed. Hey, Queen. Hello, Queen. Thank How you. <laughs> I am good. Thank you, friend, so much for that warm welcome. How are you? I am doing well, and I'm excited that you are on this journey with me, but please take a few moments and tell the people a little something about yourself. Yes, no problem. Hello, villagers. Well, like CK said, I have my master's degree, but first let me just tell you about my work with children. For decades, I've been an informal, informal provider. I've taught infants to preschoolers, and I love working with all ages. As CK mentioned before, I do have my degree, and in that, with that degree, I want to allow it to help me to continue with working with the younger students. Um, like CK said again, we have definitely been on a wow, wow ride, and we learned so much about the young mind. As we discuss more topics, I want to bring insight and resolution to our villagers regarding our children, because as you know, the children are our future. So I want to thank you again, villagers and CK, for such a warm welcome and for being a part of Village Mentality. 
Well, girl, we are so happy to have you. And I am totally looking forward to this journey and all the uh, conversations that we're going to have. And again, we want to thank our villagers for tuning in. And we hope that uh, you will learn things as well as maybe come up with questions uh, that you might send our way. But we'll get to all of that later, how you can uh, get in contact with us. So first, what we would like to do is just kind of delve in for a few moments into some of our current events. Now, am I right, Queen, when I say that unless you have been under a rock somewhere, we have been dealing with this COVID-19 pandemic for about, what, six or seven months now? Oh my gosh. It, it, yeah, it's been a while. You are so right, Queen, with this. And yes, unless you've been definitely under a rock in another planet, <laughs> because this is, this is a global pandemic. Um, yes, we've been dealing with this. So it's been a lot. Now, the wonderful thing about it is that you and I are both from the great state of New York. You are in New York City, and I'm about two hours north of you. However, we both have the privilege uh, of uh, being residents of the same state where Mr. Andrew Cuomo is our governor. Yes, girl, Governor Cuomo, didn't he do, didn't he do a great job with his leadership and his informative daily press conferences? Oh, I mean, how do you feel about that? Girl, I felt like his daily updates gave me life, okay? I um, really just centered my day around those updates because... You know, in a situation like that, and this is kind of like just speaking for myself, I'm the kind of person that I definitely want to be informed and I want to know what's going on, but I don't want to become overly saturated with news because it can be depressing, right? Yes, it sure is. But the thing about Governor Cuomo is that his updates were down to earth, comprehensive, clear, concise. And he really just spoke to us about everything. He was as transparent as he possibly could be. You could feel his love and concern, not just for his own family, but for all of the residents uh, here in the state of New York, as well as our country. Did you, did you feel that way too? Absolutely. I just, I just thought about the human behind all of this. I mean, yes, he's the governor. Yes, of a large state. But he took all of those titles and balled them up and put them in their place. And he just showed his empathetic side. We, we, so, we, we often miss people showing real empathy, especially men. And to see this man concerned about his state and all of those around the country was, I mean, just commendable. It was marvelous. I mean, you know, he, you know, I, I, I basically started keeping track, I guess, of his updates where I was actually chronicling everything. I was taking notes. And I'd probably say it was like the latter part of March once I recognized that he was on every single day, like Monday through Sunday. And, um, you know, the different models that were used of course, are what he used as a guide to report information, you know, to us. And he broke everything down. But 
what I was astounded by is, you know, once we got into the latter part of March, beginning like in April, when he would start talking to us about the loss of life, to, to say something like 799 people died yesterday was absolutely mind-blowing to me because I'm like, wait a minute, but, you know, he's saying that today, and then he's, he's, he's saying it tomorrow, and he's saying it the next day, and he's only referring to the people right now of New York. He's not even talking about the country, just this state. That was like, wow. Absolutely. Like, up to this day, I'm still baffled at the amount of people that was dying on a daily basis. And it was like you said, just here, not anywhere else. This is not the across America. This is in one state. And for him to just constantly remind the reporters and remind the country that what was so important was to keep people alive and to and and to help them recover and, and just to make sure that we as a state stayed safe was I mean just it was just a lot it was overwhelming to be honest and he stayed poised and graced and 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 with without tired you know he was he was tireless he was just he kept going every day there just to say okay here it was here this is what this information is whether you like it or not and i don't like all the information that's coming out but here's the numbers and you know when he had to square up his shoulders and go to bat for us going to the federal government asking for additional you know beds to increase the capacity i mean he did everything he could he moved heaven and earth uh to make sure that we as a state had what we needed again uh with with beds with PPE uh, for the essential workers. And of course, there was a lot of stuff, there was a lot of back and forth with that, like, oh, this hospital doesn't have enough or whatever the situation it was, but he did work tirelessly. He and his team, uh, they never took a day off. Uh, they were always about it. If he had to go to Washington, he did. He requested uh, that we have assistance from the USNS Comfort which uh, came into New York Harbor and was originally set up as a COVID facility um, that was to offer a thousand, a thousand additional, additional beds, excuse me, um, as well as the Jacob Javits Center. So he did everything he could. And then when he saw that we, you know, did not need as much as what was requested, he then, you know, um, he, he made an amendment to what, the, what we needed. And he said, okay, so if we don't need the USNS as a COVID-19 facility, let's make it non-COVID. Um, so he you know, did what he did according to what the numbers were showing him. And he was very um, vigilant, vigilant, excuse me, in um, speaking to us and letting us know what the situation was. And the greatest thing in the world like happens when everybody gets on the same page and that village mentality, girl, it is everything. Because now, instead of New York being the epicenter of this pandemic, we have actually gone over the other side of the mountain, as he says. And when you're talking about the number of deaths, uh, which he referred to in his last update, which was like, uh, I think it was like last week, Thursday, we went from 799 people died last night to 17 died. That is miraculous. Yes. That is God. That is, oh my gosh, isn't it? 
it is him and his and his highness it, the glory of it you know it, yes it took compliance from new yorkers yes it took uh, appropriate leadership but at the end of the day it took the heavenly father and the fact that governor cuomo was able to express his care, his love, his concern with humility. He was able to come back and say, hey, guess what? They didn't have it right. The numbers that they gave me wasn't right. So we had to make the adjustment. No, we don't need all of this. And for him to say, hey, if we don't need it, we can send it to somebody else who do. It took, again, a non-political capacity, but the love and compassion that a person needs to have to be the great leader and to also follow the greatest leader. So yes, it was wonderful to see. And to not be afraid to, you know, change direction and say, okay, you know what? At one point we thought it came to the East Coast from China, but it actually came from Europe. Yeah. Uh, to not be afraid to, to say all of those things. Uh, so, so basically, uh, Governor Cuomo, we salute you. And we see that outside of the state of New York, um, there were others that were watching. Uh, I believe it was reported in total, 59 million people tuned in to his daily updates. And there were some uh, who were very vocal about their appreciation. Um, I know he was on Jimmy Fallon's show one night. I know that he had Chris Rock uh, on a, a panel uh, during one of his updates to encourage New Yorkers to continue to wear masks. And both of them uh, told him how he brought them peace so that they could sleep at night. I thought that was really touching. And when he announced last week that his last update was uh, on Friday, I actually got emotional because it felt good to have an example of leadership at a time when our supposed leader has caused such divisiveness, not only in our country, but across the world. So to see that coming to an end, so to speak, although he's still our governor and, and you know he's still here and everything, it actually made me feel emotional. But I just wanna give a personal, like shout out to Governor Cuomo and his team. Thank you so very much for doing such an excellent job of taking care of us. And I know that he's often uh, said that he's not going anywhere. And if he needs to, you know, come back and, and you know, uh, do anything as far as like updating us, uh, he will be available to do that. Yes, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. Not only do we give a thank you, uh, shout out to Governor Cuomo, but we give a thank you to all of those uh, individuals who sacrifice themselves on a daily basis to be at work, to do the jobs that they were getting paid to do, and to put themselves in harm's way to help save those who were affected by COVID, those who unfortunately died from COVID, and those who survived it. So we want to thank everyone for doing their tireless job and making New York safer for us to now coexist in and showing us what village mentality is all about. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Man, I agree. I agree with that. So moving on, one of the other things that even Governor Cuomo was talking about, uh, Queen, in his daily updates besides COVID-19 was the civil unrest that has taken place in our country uh, in the aftermath of the murder by Minneapolis police officer of George Floyd. And we see that there was protests that have, you know, just taken place all over the country. Uh, it was as if 
finally at last, you know, people have been able to sort of hear uh, our cry that we've really been, you know, we've been crying for a long time. And so it's like, finally, people woke up and decided to like recognize that we need to do something to to change this. And I saw a sign um, in the midst of all of this and it said, George Floyd's murder is not a wake up call. That alarm has been ringing since 1619. Mm. You all just keep hitting the snooze button. Wow, amazing, but it's true. Just like Will Smith said, you know, this murder wasn't, racism hasn't stopped. It's been there. Now we just have cameras to, to, to report it. So the sad thing about it is, you know, George Floyd had to be murdered in the street by, unfortunately, Caucasian police officers with the world watching and now. And listening. Yeah, and listening, absolutely. And now we have the 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 screenshot, so to speak, in our and our conscience and our psyche to 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 not only hear and see his pain, but to hear him call out for his mother. And I feel like every mother in America and across this globe, because it's not just protesting in America, it's protesting globally as well. Every parent knows that feeling, knows that pain, knows that hurt, knows that child's distress when they're calling out to their mother. And I feel like because of that, and that alone woke up so many people to understand that, hey, this has been going on. Police brutality is not new. Racism is not new. It has been going on, like you said, since the 1600s. Like that is a long time of suffering and you know there are still people even in despite the fact that we've all seen the video that we heard his desperate pleas for them to stop him saying that he couldn't breathe as you mentioned calling out to his mother who had passed like two years before um it's heartbreaking to know that there are a group of people who actually think it is okay to treat another group that way simply based on their race and i hear people even now oh my gosh as if it's an inconvenience um that this is happening almost like when can things return back to normal i think i heard somebody say why doesn't he just say he's sorry anything to kind of move it along so that it doesn't have to be dealt with and you can clearly see from these protests uh black lives matter movement and beyond because there's not just us protesting there are caucasians there are um you know uh, latin americans there's everybody from like you said across the globe that is incensed by what they saw and it really can't continue to go on this way so these are things that of course are being addressed and we're going to talk some more about this um later on but Governor Cuomo to actually include that in his update again showed an example of the empathy that he has, um, you know, for African Americans and what we're dealing with as a people and how we are being mistreated. 
um, by the police force. And for him to say, I stand with the protesters, gives you that indication that he's just a really, you know, this is just, just a wonderful human being. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly. And and that thing about it is, you know, it's so it's so nice to know that government is also recognizing the need to stop this racism, the need to stop systemic racism. That is not just one level, that it is in the system, it is embedded in our system. And for him to be able to stand up and say, yeah, listen, go out, protest, but just do it in a safe manner is commendable. Again, it has, it, it definitely shows his compassion. It shows his empathy. It shows his love for humanity. It shows his village mentality. So it's beautiful to see. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, moving on, I thought it would be really good for us to kind of break it up a little bit, you know, because we have a lot to deal with as far as our current events and they can sometimes be heavy. So it's nice to kind of lighten things up where we can. And so <clears throat> I thought that in this segment, we would um, share inspirational stories. And I came across one and it's called the elephant rope. So a gentleman was walking through an elephant camp and he spotted that the elephants were not being kept in cages or held by chains. All that was holding them back from escaping the camp was a small piece of rope tied to one of their legs. As the man gazed upon the elephants, he was completely confused as to why the elephants did not use their strength to break the rope and escape. They could have easily done so, but instead, they did not try at all. Curious and wanting to know the answer, he asked a trainer nearby why the elephants were standing there and never tried to escape. The trainer replied, when they are young and much smaller, we use the same size rope to tie them. And at that age, it is enough to hold them. As they grow up, they are conditioned to believe that they cannot break away. They believe the rope can still hold them. So they never even try to break free. The only reason that the elephants were not breaking free and escaping was that over time they adopted the belief that it just was not possible. So what's the moral of the story? No matter how much the world tries to hold you back, always continue with the belief that whatever it is that you want to achieve, it is possible. Believing you can become successful is the most important step in achieving it. What do you think about that, Queen? I love that story. I love it. It definitely uh, gives you the visual of these elephants. I, I was sitting here visualizing the elephants and <laughs> them just sitting there with that rope on them and they're not breaking away. And yes, you're absolutely right. We can do whatever it is we set our mind to do, no matter what the obstacle is, no matter how unsurmountable it may be. And so, yeah, I love that story. It was great. And with that being said, like, I, I can't wait until the next story. I can't. <laughs> it's just, it's so exciting to hear um, an inspirational story like that because we need it. We definitely need it. And before we get into today's topic, we will play a song because we know that music soothes the soul. 
and we figured that the best song to soothe our soul tonight would be Love by Music Soul Child. So I want you to take a moment, get into a relaxed state, and listen to this tune. We'll see you in a moment.
Okay, Queen, I love that song. I have always loved that song. Music Soul Child is everything. So I feel relaxed and ready to move forward. So let's get into today's topic. And today's topic is about coping. And given everything that we have talked about already and moving forward, basically, um, coping is a very important tool that we need to have in our lives. And so the definition of coping is being able to deal effectively with something difficult. And so when we're talking about coping, developing coping skills, we're thinking about, for instance, with the pandemic, with COVID-19. Uh, and, you know, you and I, being friends and all, we have had many a discussion about how we were coping, how we were dealing during this time. So here is a few things before we continue the conversation. It says it's important to take care of your emotional health. You want to avoid toxic energy and toxic people. Paying attention to your feelings, whether you're feeling anxious or depressed, and you want to make sure that you have someone that you trust that you can talk to about those feelings. You want to take breaks from watching reading and listening to news stories. As I mentioned earlier for myself, that was what was so great about the governor's updates because once you watched them, you pretty much knew what was going on and you did not have to oversaturate yourself with various news cycles beyond the point. And it's important that we pay attention to what we're allowing into our minds, into our hearts. And so you need to guard yourself uh, against that kind of information or at least too much of it. It's great to be aware, but once it goes beyond that, it could be, um, it could be, it could have adverse effects on you. We want to also take care of our bodies, remembering to take deep breaths. I mean, sometimes I go through the day and I'll be doing this, that, and the third, and I'll stop and recognize that it feels like I haven't been breathing. Have you ever experienced that? No, I have not, but I've heard of other people saying it and you know, you don't recognize that that's not the case. You feel like you're just doing what you got to do, but it happens. And it's so beautiful that you were able to realize for yourself that, hey, wait a minute, I got to step back because it's so important for us to not only realize that we're breathing, but how <laughs> we're breathing, you know, um, is that breath a real true breath? Are we taking the time to notice our breath? You know, not just the fact that, okay, I, I, I'm breathing because I'm alive, but are we taking deep breaths? Mm, intentional breaths, like and, almost like yes. breathing in and out, yes. and just sort of like feeling it from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet kind of a breath. Absolutely. Because with that, it helps to one, regulate our blood pressure because, you know, when we get all stressed out and we're in stressful situations, the first thing that elevates is our blood pressure. So when we're able to take that full intentional deep breath, you know, that one where you bring it all in and you fill your stomach up like the balloon and you put it all out, that is the breath that you want to take in order to know that you're taking a deep breath. Because Absolutely. Normally our breathing is a bit shallow. So when we take that intentional breath, you want to make sure that your stomach is filling up and that you're doing just like a balloon. You're letting it all out when it's out and you're doing it more than once or twice. Take it, you know, a few at a time. 
to get yourself to bring your blood pressure down. And that will also help you to use the coping skill of deep breathing. Well, you know, I think it also kind of goes hand in hand with the next item on the list, which is meditation. Now, not everybody meditates, um, but meditation is something that can also be uh, really useful to us. Uh, If you're experiencing racing thoughts in your mind, maybe you want to feel a little bit more centered. Um, Meditation might be the thing for you to check out. Now, I'm a beginner. Um, I admit it, I'm at the beginning stages of it, but one of the things that I have recognized when I do meditate is that it seems as though maybe it's only been five minutes, (laughs) and then when I'm done, 20 minutes has passed. So you can definitely get yourself with the right music um, or whatever it is that you may need to use in order to get you there, so to speak, you can definitely get lost in it. And sometimes I think it's good to be able to have that sort of like unplug, that disconnect, because it can alleviate the stress that we experience on a day-to-day basis. So meditation is something that I'm finding useful. And I have to admit, I don't do it on a daily basis, but I definitely am working toward that end. Um, Exercising regularly. Exercise can be so helpful. Um, You release those endorphins, uh, which is a chemical in the brain uh, that just kind of makes you feel good. And even with exercising, we're not asking you to, you know, go out there and like, you know, run marathons and things like that, but you are able to choose what works best for you. So whether it's walking or if you're doing sit-ups or whatever it is, if you're doing any kind of weight training or anything like that, then um, it helps. It, it helps uh, when you are stressed out. Get plenty of sleep. Now, Queen? <laughs> <laughs> I know that that's not always easy for everybody, Queen. Yes, you are talking about me and I don't appreciate it, but it's true. <laughs> I have been an insomniac since I can remember. And uh, my mother used to give all of these fun stories uh, to me when I was younger about how I used to hide in cabinets and everything because I never liked to sleep. So, Thank you. Is- so something? I, I don't know what I was looking for. I don't know. I, I think I was playing hiding seek and I didn't know I was playing by myself. I don't know. But it, it was just something that I did while everybody else went to bed. The thing about it is um, for some of us, insomnia comes with heredity. It comes with medical conditions. It comes with stress. So we must sleep. And I found that my son, unfortunately, has inherited my insomniac uh, ability. You don't need that to that poor baby? Yes. I don't know why. You know, out of the things that I'm good at, that was not one of the things I wanted him to have. (laughs) (laughs) So he is now an insomniac. And with the COVID uh, lockdown, I find that it's, Um, really, really resonating with him a lot more. And what I've been doing or or attempting to do is to kind of shut down at a certain time to kind of regulate bedtime, uh, making sure that the the house is calm and and in a mellow state to help us with the insomnia. However, girl, queen, honey, Mm. 
it ain't working. <laughs> it's just not working. So I am looking for ideas. So I asked the villagers, if you have ideas about insomnia and how to combat it, how to help me with it, I need my villagers' help. What do you think? Do we need help? <laughs> well, you know, what's, what's funny is, and, and of course, this is like the purpose of it all, right? For people to be able to like help each other. That's what the village does. You know, we, we look out for one another. Yes. Um, there are times where I experience insomnia as well. And, um, you know, some of those times will be when I'm doing my work, when I'm writing a piece or, uh, you know, just working on a project of some sort. Uh, but I have found for myself you know, I like herbal tea. It's very relaxing for me. And in times of those insomniac moments, uh, chamomile tea has helped me. Um, and also I can be <clears throat> uh, an avid reader. And what I, when I say I can be, it's like, it sort of comes and goes, it goes in phases where mm. I'm just like reading everything in sight. And then all of a sudden it's like a desert, but reading also is something that helps or maybe listening to like relaxing music, you know, so those kinds of things have helped me, but we recognize that sometimes insomnia, as you said, when it's attributed to other things like medical conditions, um, it's hereditary, it can be much deeper than that. So, you know, the advice may be at that time that you might have to get the advice of a medical professional if it's something that is ongoing. Absolutely. And that's what we have to recognize. We have to recognize that, guess what? Everything doesn't work for everybody. And that, you know what? There are outside professionals that can help us. And we just have to go out there and seek them, you know? And it's nothing wrong with it. It's nothing wrong with going out and, and getting help from the people that were made to do the job, you know? We have to understand that life is sometimes challenging and there's not always a right or wrong answer but there's always help and that's right. what we need to do now i mean you know another thing to consider too that kind of goes hand in hand with that is is being intentional about making time to unwind now there are certain things you know like you said you were doing uh that you're in your attempts to get yourself ready for bed but that is something again making time to unwind you come home from a stressful day what do you do what works for you how do you loosen up how do you relax because you certainly don't want to go to bed with all of this um these thoughts and, and stress on your mind so that's also something and along with that uh when it comes to social media i know for me personally I do not post, look at, entertain anything social media on Sundays. That is the day where I totally unplug for 24 hours. So a lot of times people will, you know, DM me uh, or they'll be sending me messages and I'll be like, okay, sorry. I'm not going to be able to say nothing to you until like midnight. Um, and this is something that I do for myself. It's about self-care. And self-care is not selfish, it's necessary. And we must do what we can to take care of ourselves because a lot of times we're taking care of other people or we're involved in many different things. And if we are to be at our best, then we have to and should, I recommend, we should take the time to take care of ourselves. Um, because in the long run, the people that we're in, interacting with, they benefit much more when we're at the top of our game. Would you agree? 
I agree. Absolutely. And I unfortunately had to learn that the hard way, you know, um, since we're talking about coping and we're talking about COVID, I had to go on vacation before all of this happened, before the lockdown happened. And because of that, getting in that mindset, getting into that self-care mode, you know, you have to change your perspectives um, sometimes to, to be able to deal with, with stress, to, to be able to cope, to be honest. And I, and I had to do that. And I had to learn that I have to take care of myself because like you said, CK, it, it does affect everybody else around you. It affects how you do things, your mood with everything. It's, it's just, it can go from zero to 105 seconds because you're not taking care of you. Tell the and, village how long it was since the last time you had vacation. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, go ahead. Uh, just bear with me and I'm going to tell you, I have not been on an official vacation since 2003. I know. That doesn't even make any sense, that doesn't even make any sense at all. <laughs> I know. I know. I know you're still like, she's lying. No, I'm not. I have not been <laughs> on an official vacation since 2003. So that shows you how much self-care I've been doing. Um, and this, is, this was a perfect time to help me understand the importance of it because we want to be everything to everybody and we forget to be everything to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Ain't it the truth? Ain't it the yeah. truth? So I'm glad that you did finally recognize, Queen, that you needed to take uh, a vacation after like 17 years. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. How did, how did you feel being on vacation? What was that like for you? That actually, <laughs> it, was, it was perfect. It was necessary. It was needed. I was so, I was overdone. You didn't have to stick a fork in me. I was overdone. I was burnt. I was really crispy. And so I needed that time to just rejuvenate, to relax, to get myself back in order. Because I was out of order. Girl, you I, were. Every night we'd be on the phone talking, and I was like, she's going to blow. I'm, she's going to blow. She's going to blow. It's coming. It definitely was. It was, it was, I mean, it just, people at work, they could say the right thing at the wrong time. And I'm like, look. <sighs> have several seats or walk away. So it was, it was needed. I know my son appreciates it because his mother is so much better at dealing with things now. And my coping skills have gotten a lot better because I ne just needed to be in that restful state and taking care of me. So, mm -hmm. you know. And I mean, connecting with others, connecting with your community or faith-based organization. Those are two things that are important as well. And if you have those kinds of friendships like I do, as I've introduced you uh, by saying that you've been a member of my personal village for the last four years, and I know you've talked me off a ledge or two. So um, if you have that person, persons in your life, then that is great. But also make sure you're also being that person. Absolutely. That is what's most important it's too. Street, so we have to yes. be able to exercise that, you know. Yes, reciprocation is so important. Um, we're talking about coping skills, and we must not forget that if we are friends, parents, that we have to reciprocate that that love, that understanding, that need 
because again, just like you need to have that person there for you, that person needs you. And you don't want to be the person that's always taking. You mm-hmm. want to give. So we have to have that reciprocating relationships. And if you're not in reciprocating relationships, guess what? It, this is the time to get in one. I'm on now. Find oh. one, get in one. I mean, listen, this is not the time to be in these one-sided things now. We, we ain't doing one-sided things no more. We're doing reciprocation because everybody, this is what village mentality is. Everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs somebody. Everybody matters. Everybody's feelings count. And it cannot be one-sided. I know for myself and my own personal uh, life, I have um, ended relationships because, you know, they were long-term, you know, relationships. I'm talking about some of them were like family or friends that really thought that it's just all about them. And you're supposed to just cater to them. And you're supposed to just give all of yourself to them. And in the meantime, you're feeling undervalued by them. And, and really, it kind of gets to you. So you have to recognize those, those signs and ask for what it is that you want and need in a relationship and uh, see to it that you get it. And that's why I say it's important to develop that inner circle, that inner sanctum. Those individuals are people who think just like you, who are elevating you, who are speaking life into you, who are encouraging you. That's who you should be surrounding yourself with. Not somebody that always got some drama, not somebody who's always talking down, not somebody who's not about anything, not going anywhere, and it's not thinking about going anywhere. So these are the the kinds of things that we need to uh, consider. And with that being said, when we're talking about coping, ladies and gentlemen, it's not just about us, us grown folk. We also have to consider our children. And as a teacher and as a mother, Queen, talk to us about how your son uh, adopted, adapted, excuse me, uh, to the remote learning aspect of COVID-19. Well, this one was a tricky one. And the reason why it was tricky, because if you realize if you had have children and had to deal with this, you understood that some things was just not together, honey, in the beginning. Queen, they they was they was confusing. They was kind of a little bit messy. And we had to kind of like weed and wade through this water to figure out what was going on. So my son had issues, my nephew had issues with uh, submitting their home, their work, their, 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 um, the platform that they was using, they would submit the work and then the work came back where it wasn't submitted and the teachers had to come back and then they wasn't saying anything to us to let us know that the work wasn't submitted but the grades wasn't reflecting it. And it was just, it was a hot mess to be honest in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to keep my son um, abreast on advocating for himself, contacting the teachers, doing things to basically cover himself, such as taking snapshots of the work and then emailing the teacher and just doing little things to help to show that, listen, I'm here, I'm doing the work because they were having technical issues that we had no no idea but we had to think about it when you think about it in hindsight if everybody's on the same software same platform at the same time using the same internet after a while there are going to be some glitches so once all of that kind of dissipated we found that and having conversations with both my nephew and my son I, I i asked them you know how is this affecting them 
what are they feeling? What are they going through? And I was surprised to find that they were, were pretty well-rounded, adjusted to it. They, they didn't really feel any stress over it. They were able to make the necessary connections and do what they had to do. Uh, my son was informing me that he was reaching out more, you know, letting his teachers know what he needed help with. My nephew said the same thing. They found that, um, you know, just taking their time and doing the work and getting the information in when they needed to and putting more care into what they have to do, they found that it was a positive effect for them. They, their grades actually went up. Mm-hmm. Um, we also even talked about, you know, what other things they noticed with the the lockdown being at home and so my nephew was like well you know i can't play outside like i like to but guess what i get to play in the house or they talked about relationships being built better because they were able to be in the house with their family members or talk more with other people um using support of each other using support of their friends having their phone having the games they were able to do different things and then on what we started doing is game night where we're playing board games, not just running to electronics to, to solidify that unity and to help to have that open dialogue and to just give them a voice to let them be heard and, and let them know that someone is there. So I normally have conversations with them on a regular basis. I, I talk to them when, when it's, when there's things going on, when it's not things going on, just to see how they're coping and how they're dealing with it because we have to recognize as a, as parents and we are teachers we are our children's first teacher i want us to remember that yes some of us our kids are in daycare at six weeks or or sometimes a little bit older than that but we are our child's first teacher. So we want to make sure that we are giving them a voice we're giving them that platform we're giving them our availability. That is one of the major coping skills strategies that you can do for your child is give them your time. Yeah, be involved. Yes, please. And then once you do that, help them to, like CK mentioned, get some movement going on in their life. Talk about good things, positive things that's going on. I did that um, so often with my son to help him see the progress and the things that he was doing when school got frustrated or if, you know, he want, he got bored with being in the house and wanted to do different things just to give him a positive outlet. Um, we need to also track our stress. Have the, have your children track their stress. Like what's stressing them out? Let's write yeah. it down. Get a feelings book. Help them to express themselves in a way that is positive, but truthful. Don't tell them that they're not feeling that way. Oh, you ain't stressed out about nothing, but you got to be stressed out for. I got these bills. I got this. And we know, Queen, ain't this true? Don't these children have more things to be stressed out about these days? More than people realize. I mean, you know, children are more receptive about things that are going on in our lives than we care to acknowledge or to realize. Um, you know, they're dealing with things like broken homes, divorce, domestic violence, drug addiction, uh, bullying, whether it's cyberbullying or in person. And so 
there is a tendency you find, and sometimes uh, to the detriment of a child and really to a family, you don't even realize the, the conflict or the pain that they're in because they may not feel comfortable approaching you. So I applaud you and I salute your efforts to speak to your son and your nephew to make them feel comfortable enough and creating a space where they are willing to open up and be vulnerable with you. Uh, that's a great thing and it needs to be done more often. Absolutely. And the thing about it too, is we want to make sure that we are always present and that we understand our kids and that we're helping them to find the things that they love to do and helping them to stick with that. You know, a lot of times we don't want our kids on the games 24-7. My son is a gamer. And we look at it as a negative thing because it does um, take away their social skills and different things. But in this time, at this global pandemic stage, we need to allow them to have that, that release. You know, if, if, if it is for them to go and play on a game for an hour or so, give them that release. Mm-hmm. It's not going to hurt. You know, everything in moderation is okay. And we just have to monitor, monitor what they're doing and how often they're being exposed. But give them that outlet. Because we can't keep pushing school, school, school. You know, we want to focus on them getting their education. And yes, we're worried that with the remote learning and the different things that's going on, they may be behind and that may be true. But we need to give them the outlets so they can deal with the stress so that they'll be able to catch mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. And, and, go, and go further. So yeah, we have to be mindful. Absolutely. So, you know, we talked about coping as far as the COVID-19 pandemic is concerned and remote learning for our children. And in light of the civil unrest that we're experiencing throughout our country, um, again, in the wake of George Floyd's murder and others since him, And there's a couple of things that we need to be mindful of there as well when we're talking about coping. Um, So it's important to recognize the personal impact of these stressors on our mental health. You know, you're going to experience racing thoughts and it may be helpful to you. It may be helpful for you to write those those thoughts down in order to like work through them. Um, if you're a writer or again, maybe having someone trusted that you can speak to, that you can be vulnerable with to express what you're feeling uh, as opposed to holding them inside. Also emotionally, you may experience anger, sadness, fear, hopelessness. Uh, Again, finding someone to talk to, someone within your circle that you know that you can, you know, speak to that's not going to throw back in your face, but that is going to be there to support you is uh, very important. And then physically, you may experience muscle tension, your heart racing, or you may even be fatigued. I know a lot of times, you know, we ladies, we carry our stress in our bodies. You might feel it around the neck area, in your shoulders. I know I'm always telling my guy, I need a massage. (laughs) And so like you definitely feel all of that. So it's no wonder because when you witness something such as what happened to George uh, Floyd, as well as all of the other victims of police brutality, racial discrimination, explicit and implicit bias, 
it is very stressful. We are human beings and the color of our skin does not change our ability to feel things. The only thing that needs to change is our ability to recognize what's going on with us and to understand that it is valid and to find uh, productive ways for us to work through those feelings in a healthy way. Absolutely, Queen. And the most important thing that we need to understand about coping and dealing with our stress, we need to know what triggers us. We need to write that down. We need to have that knowledge. Because if you know what triggers you, then you can circumvent it or prevent it. Amen. So we want to know those things. And we want to know that for ourselves as well as our children. We cannot go around thinking that they don't have triggers because they do. And we need to speak from a place of love. You know, when we're stressed out, we tend to react negatively to everything, including our children. And we don't want to forget that their feelings matter. They hurt too. Right. You, you cannot go around thinking that they're not human. They are small human beings mm -hmm. and they have their feelings. So we want to be more loving. We want to take that time out, regroup, figure out what's triggering us, deal with that, and then go to our children and not the other way around. And when your children are coming at you, especially teenagers, I have one. <laughs> Who Jesus. And <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you think, listen, if this child says anything that I don't like today, I might just, you know, have to get myself together. Moscato does not make it fast enough. But what we must realize is, too, they are stressed out and they're going through things and they don't always know how to express it. And so they come out and they lash out or they rebel. And we have to take that time to look at the behavior, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. also what's behind the behavior. Please and thank you. Don't react to the behavior. Please stop yourself from reacting to the behavior because that's what triggers you as a parent <laughs> is the behavior. So know that is a trigger for you. And I mean, not just with children, but just even in us dealing with each other, yes. you need to take the time to see what lies beneath because there's something else there. And if we just focus on the superficial, I think another way people might say it is if we just judge a book by its cover, mm -hmm. you really kind of miss out on what's really going on with a person that might be snapping at you, that's irritable, that is less patient than normal. Something's going on. So that's why as villagers, we sometimes might have to step outside of ourselves and be there for our brothers and our sisters because we are their keepers. Absolutely. And we have to recognize that with everything that's going on, the protesting, the COVID situation, and we know that COVID is not over, guys. COVID is not over. So please, please, please remember that. You're out there, you're protesting, you're being safe, you're doing what you have to do, but it's not over. And we have to understand that for ourselves, for our children, and know that they are seeing everything that we see and they're experiencing it in their own way. And we have to acknowledge that and then help them deal with that. And that's what these coping skills are about. And that's what we're gonna keep talking about is coping and how we can do it. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you, Queen, for all of your insight as far as the remote learning and how it affects our children. And of course, we will uh, look forward to this ongoing series of coping uh, so that we can all, you know, learn how to better take care of ourselves and each other. And with that being said, we have gotten to our final segment, which I like to call For the Village. And this is an opportunity with us to share stories with you of village mentality at work. So in this particular story, we have Ashley, who's a 21-year-old college student who is studying education for the deaf and hard of hearing. And she knows the importance of face visibility for those who rely on lip reading or ASL, American Sign Language, to communicate. So what she did, Queen, was to create a reusable fabric mask that features a clear plastic piece over the person's mouth so that their lips would be visible. She just felt that there was a huge population being overlooked and that is what inspired her because communication is important to deaf and hearing impaired individuals too. She has even modified these masks so that they can go around the head for those who have cochlear implants and hearing aids who would not be able to wrap them around their ears. So kings and queens out there, this is just an example of what village mentality can do. And if you have or know of any inspiring stories that demonstrate an example of village mentality, send your story to our email address, which is all lowercase village mentality 20 vision at gmail.com so that we can share your story with the rest of the village. And you can check us out also on Instagram and Facebook at Village Mentality 2020. Feel free to leave your comments there. Well, Queen, what you got to say? Girl, I love, excuse me, girl is not it. Queen, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said it, girl, but you know what I mean. I love <laughs> that story. Yeah, it's wonderful when you see somebody who sees a need and addresses it and is creative. She was very creative and in her concern for the deaf and hearing impaired community. So kudos to Ashley. Yes, kudos. And I love the fact that she thought of it because, yes, can you imagine how many of our brothers and sisters who are out there who have hearing impairments and are not able to communicate effectively because of the uh, mass. So that is beautiful. And it touches my heart. I, I have a special sentiment for people that are hearing impaired and, and have to use ASL. I, I teach my kids that. So I love this story. This is wonderful. I can't wait to hear the next story because we need to hear these wonderful, inspirational, for the village type of information. So Again, thank you so much, Queen, for allowing me to be a part of the village and to hear wonderful information like this. Well, Queen, I am just happy that you are here. It, it took a year, but we're here. Uh, 
I had to sort of like wait, you know, uh, for you to be available. So I'm excited that uh, time um, has afforded us the opportunity uh, to do this for our community. So thank you for being a part of it. And thank you villagers for tuning in uh, today for joining us. And we look forward to you being with us again next week for another episode of Village Mentality. Be blessed, beautiful people. And here's to brighter days.